I knew they picked up things that they say. They say like if you say something, they'll they'll parrot it back. Like a week later, you'll go, oh, you you heard me say that. I had no idea that like their worldview and what how they consider themselves is based on how you consider yourself. Welcome to the Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now here's your host, Art Eddy. This week's episode of the Art of Fatherhood podcast is being brought to you by Begin Health. Begin Health's Growing Up Prebiotics is a daily prebiotic for toddlers and kids ages one and up. You may be asking yourself, what's the difference between probiotics and prebiotics? Probiotics are the bacteria in your gut and prebiotics feed the good gut bacteria. Why is this important, you may ask? Over 70% of the immune system is located in our gut, and strengthening the gut starts with feeding it the good stuff. Growing Up Prebiotics is a tasteless and textureless powder that can easily be mixed into your little one's water, juice, or milk, delivering three grams of fiber per serving. So if you're looking to support your kiddo's immune system, make sure you pick up Growing Up Prebiotics at BeginHealth.com. That's BeginHealth.com. What's going on, everybody? Art Eddie here for another edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. I'm very happy to have this gentleman. It's none other than Brian Lynch. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me, sir. How you doing? I'm great. Thank you for wanting to chat with me. That's very nice. Yeah, man. Big fan of your work, whether you're writing movies, doing comic books, or obviously we're going to talk about uh, your new uh, great book called Sixth Grade Superstar. You know, it's great for kids. It's great for adults, too. Oh, we're going to get that in a second, but I love bringing good dads like yourself to talk about their fatherhood journey. When you found out you're going to be a dad, man, what's going through your mind? I uh, I was thrilled. My wife was more nervous than I was. And I guess that makes sense because she's got to go through a lot more that day, that magical yeah. day where I got to st- <laughs> sit next to her and, and just watch it happen. Um, but, you know, it's funny. I was recording a podcast the night I found out and I was re- and as I was doing it, my wife was walking around the table and I was like, something's up. I don't know what it something is up like. I, and she's not usually like that. So I walked my dogs. And I was walking my dogs with my friends who I was doing the podcast with. And I may have said to them, or I may have just thought it, when I go back inside, something big is about to change. I figured it was that. I mean, it was, I I figured it might be that. And then I went into the kitchen and I was like, almost like just, all right, let's do it. And like, uh, and she told me and I was thrilled, uh, nervous immediately. And the next day I bought like four fatherhood books. I went in and I immediately, <laughs> and I I actually read them. I'm the opposite of Seth Rogen and Knocked Up. He needed to be convinced. I, I read them very quickly. Nice, man. So you know, speaking of reading and about fatherhood, I read an interview that you were talking about, you know, when you were, um, your son was born while you're doing Minions, you're writing mm-hmm. for the movie Minions. And you said like, oh, you're going to be the cool dad. And then once your son came, like you said, you were nervous and all that. We do have that panic. I remember when my oldest, when she was, born in the hospital. I was trying to change the diaper. And I was like, you know, this, this nurse hip checks me. And she's like, it's not a paper doll. It's not a China doll. This is how you change a diaper. I'm like, yes, ma'am. Like, all of a right. sudden, like, you know, so you get that nervousness of like, am I going to be doing it right? Am I going to be a good father? But you know, nature kicks in and like, there's that spidey sense that tells you whether you're doing it right or doing it wrong. But for you, what have you learned about your son about life or about yourself that maybe you didn't know was there until you became a dad? Wow, that's a great question. I um, well, first of all, I totally know what you mean. They're, they're in theory, babies aren't fragile, but the minute you have your baby in your hand, well, of course they're fragile. I'm not like throwing, but the minute you have them in your hand, they are you. They're made of glass. You're like, oh my god, this is like, why is this on me now? I don't understand. But uh, what what have I learned because of my son is a, a a ton of things. I said this fairly recently. My son is ten, 
I said it to my wife. I think around I, I'm 50 right now. I think I didn't become a full human until five years ago. And uh, it's so weird. You think you have it figured out at every step. You don't. You just don't. My son has taught me how to handle myself with other people. He's taught me how to present myself with people because I I, I didn't know this about children is uh, I knew they picked up things that they say. They say like if you say something, they'll they'll parrot it back like a week later. You'll go, oh, you you heard me say that. I had no idea that like their worldview and what how they consider themselves is based on how you consider yourself. So like if I was like, oh, I come downstairs and like, oh, I just did a pitch and it went terrible. I'm so stupid. Like I will hear that from my son about their homework or like uh, about art. He'll throw like, no, I can't throw it away. Like I'm like, that's that's he's just so like you have to like present yourself as like you have to. It's so silly. I had to learn to believe in myself and like myself. Um, so when I tell my kid, like yourself, I wasn't being a hypocrite. Like, like, like you got to forgive yourself more. Um, and, and that's, and that's it. And by the way, the thing I'm least forgiving about myself is my son. Like, I'm like, oh, I should have, I should have, instead of watching that movie, I should have been home with Hank and we should have done like played action figures. And I, but no, you you have to have things away from them a little bit too. And that's a process. That's a real learning curve for me. I'm still learning that. No, yeah, that's and that can be like a piece of advice I'll ask you about, you know, to new dads or just dads in general, like our dad hack. But yeah, like you need you need to recharge your own independent batteries. Right? Like back that Seinfeld, whereas independent George and relationship George, you, sometimes, especially when you're like pairing a toddler, you feel like you're a stand up comedian. You always got to be on. And then when they go to bed, you're like. Like there was like a permanent, like, not that I was like forcing smiles, but like, I felt like I had a headache from smiling too much or trying to be on. And then they go to bed. I'm like, whew. And I try and be there for my wife. She'd fall asleep, like watching a show with me. I'm like, all right, so maybe I'll play a video game or something. Right. But like, you have that, your, your own self time and you might feel guilty. I think that's a good sign of feeling, of being a good parent, but you need that independence. So I totally agree, man. Right. That's awesome. That's a good way of putting it. You put it better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so sure, but, but I talk about this all the time. I don't know. Right. But anyway, one of the things too, like Secret Life of Pets, you wrote that. And the fact that like you look at it from, it's funny how you can kind of look at things from just, just enjoying the movie, but then also too, from a parenting perspective. Right. And I feel like some of the characteristics for the pets were almost like certain things like, oh, I do that. Or my wife does that. Or my kids do that. Right. So I'm guessing, you know, especially learning how to read people and not that you're going to teach your kid how to read people or just like look at people and like, but I think if you read a person, you'll be able to understand like where they're coming from and not jump to conclusions. Right. Talk about some of the values you're looking to instill into him as he's grown up. I mean, it's funny because I think what we've done very well with our kids so far is he's a very sweet, nice kid. And that's important. Uh, we when we when we walked to school, uh, when we walked from the car to the school, my wife started this thing with with Henry and, I, and I've continued it is what are the three rules? And that's. Um, Stand up for yourself, uh, be nice to your friends, and listen to your teacher. And and it, it it's so funny that Henry and he, and he knows it. And by the way, Henry adds like new ones to it. He's like, and look out for Team Rocket, like that guy. I'm like, yes, that too. <laughs> but like, we want to encourage that. But um, and also he's right. Look out for Team Rocket. But um, it, it, and, and it's funny. Like I've talked to my wife about this too. Is those three rules are kind of good for adults too? Like stand up for yeah. yourself. Always look out for your friends, but also the person that's like, that can teach you stuff, listen to them. Like always listen to them. And so it's basically that. It's be kind, be aware and be be confident. And that's the hard one because kids are, you know, kids can be rough on each other. And also 
rough on themselves, uh, especially when they have a parent like me who sometimes goes, oh, this stinks. I can't believe I did this. And then I'll see Henry go, oh, this stinks. And I'm like, oh, that. <laughs> so, yeah, those are the three things we try to instill on them, bit boiled down to their basic. Principles. That is perfect. I love that. And, you know, especially being confident in yourself, that's, you know, my daughters will be like, oh, why won't you let us, let us have social media? I'm like, well, when I was growing up, I had a hundred pair of eyes on me. You have social media accounts. You have a million people judging you. They don't even know you, right? And you're just right. saying things just to say things. So especially nowadays with kids, like being confident is so damn tough, man. So I, I it is. that. You know, my friends and I would make on, like I have the big chunky VHS cameras, like the way too big, they, like when I was younger. And we'd make like, parodies of movies and like but we'd edit them together using two vcrs and we were so like so That's into awesome. it and we never put them up online because online didn't exist yeah. all we did was show them to our friends who were supportive but if we had put them up on youtube we probably would have stopped doing them because people would have been like we hate you and we hate this and why are you doing this and and i just i i'm so glad that we didn't have that growing up I'm that, that that didn't like step on our creativity, our enjoyment of the process. No doubt. Yeah. Cause if you're, you know, maybe since you're such a creative person, right. That's your livelihood. If yeah. that got squashed at an early age, maybe you're doing something else. Right. So exactly. I was very lucky. I had parents that were like, they were always like, you know, you need to find out another job, be realistic. You might not be a writer, but also keep writing. Like, and that yeah. was important. And they loved my writing and they supported it. And that made the world, I mean, it, you know, that made the world to me. It, it, it literally is why I'm doing what I'm doing. For sure. Love it, man. And yeah, and, and and the fact that you saw the 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 your parents supporting you, you're gonna obviously transfer that as you know for your son. So I love it. Dad hack or piece of advice for any I used to say like new dads, but I think any parent could use a piece of advice or a dad hack. So what would it be? I, you know, we touched on it a little already, but the self-forgiveness is super important. Um, I, I uh I've always I think that's kind of part of a part of being a writer too, is you always think about things too much and overanalyze and I do that when I go to bed at night I go like oh I said that in front of Henry or like I should have done that and it's it's self-forgiveness is super important um nobody's perfect my parents especially because my dad was my dad worked a ton so in the morning I heard him leave and at night I saw him come home but my mom was the one during the day you know I saw my dad on the weekend and we hung out but during the day was my mom and I thought my mom could do no wrong. I thought I, I literally, I thought that she was perfect. And, uh, and I remember going, man, if stores knew how cool my mom was, they would give her everything for free. I don't understand why they don't. That's how cool I thought my mom was. And now thinking back when I talked to my mom about things, it was like all held together with masking tape and like crazy glue. Like it's, and, and that's it is you have to know nobody's going to be perfect. Um, even when the kid gets sick and at first you handle it the wrong way, you know what I mean? Like it, it's going to be okay. Uh, okay. you're going to, you're going to learn and you're going to get better from each one. And it's getting, don't get down on yourself is, is the huge one. Uh, because there's always going to be new problems coming up and you won't know how to do them immediately. You won't know how to solve them. So it's fine. No doubt. Yeah. Everyone's like, I can't wait till like they start sleeping through the night. Yeah, that's great. But you're going to run into some other things you're going to have to like, right. conquer and stuff. So there's always something. There's always some mountain or hill you're going to have to climb. Congrats on your book, uh, Sixth Thank Grade you. Superstar. I love the fact that we, when in our house, reading is big time, Like when, especially when they were like maybe fifth grade and middle school, they'd be like, you know, they do good on a report card. We want to go like, oh, Barnes and Noble or the let's go get a book. I'm like, sweet. Right. And we sometimes my oldest came up with a writing prompt where you know, we'd write for 10 minutes and then we swap like, and we just had to finish each other's stories and stuff That's like awesome. that. 
things like that, right? So the fact that, and they've gotten me to be a better reader. My wife is such a great reader and I loved reading a couple books here and there in high school, but like, I love the fact that we're reading as a family, but when there's a book that actually has some fun, some hilarity, but also has some great meanings and all that and, and a good substance behind it, like your book, Ty Bogart, you know, he's in a high school musical. My, my oldest is in musicals and my, my youngest, uh, she does, she plays a saxophone. So I just know like, you know, auditioning and stage fright and all that other stuff. I know that you're more on the writing side, but you've also done some acting things as well. Is Ty kind of a mixture of maybe you, maybe sometimes like an influence of your wife talking to her about her, you know, experience growing up and then also your son, like how is Ty like formulated? I think Ty's a mixture of me and also more of me. Um, he, <laughs> he is um, the, uh, I even drew him like, I even drew him like me, like kind of like, how yeah. I look, like but um, the other characters are, are, you know, a mix of people and, and fictional. And obviously like if you made it to the end of the book, Ty does a lot of stuff that I never did. Cause it, it like, it builds to an ending of a story. Whereas my life just continued. Um, but uh, Ty is, Ty is kind of the me, but also, has reactions that I kind of wish I had at that point. Cause when you're a writer, you can go back and go, wait a minute, that didn't go like that. I want to do it this way. So yeah, he's a little me, but like totally with, with he, Henry has kind of seeped into him in the sense that like, before he tries something, he thinks of like the five things that could go wrong, which is again, also me because Henry's my kid. Um, but you know, uh, also I think Henry is a funnier kid than I was and he's in fifth grade now and Ty's in sixth grade, but and I wasn't as funny out, outwardly as Henry, Henry is. And I think Ty has kind of got Henry's charm, whereas I was more of a shy kid, for sure. I'm not, okay, so your son's in fifth grade. I'm not trying to freak you out. This is just my experience. <laughs> right. So I felt like in, when I was growing up, I'm in my 40s, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like high school was like the scariest place because it was just like the unknown. You had like people like who were seniors that look like, you know, ogres compared to you, like little frail little thing, like running around like Schmeagle, like trying to find the precious and stuff. But just the yeah. idea, like I had my growth spurt in junior year. And I was like, oh, this is what it feels like. Great. But nowadays I feel that there is drama in high school. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like there's more drama in middle school. Mm-hmm. While you're writing this book, just with maybe with friends and, you know, family members or whatever, did you get that? Did you get that experience? Or do you feel that like middle school is almost a tougher place to go to school than high school nowadays my 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 junior it was like it was called junior high back when i was there but like yeah, yeah my middle school experience middle school slash junior high was so much harder than my high school experience i and it was i think kids were really figuring out who they were at that point uh they were by the time they get to high school anyway like a lot of the kids that were like mean in junior high i was like oh my god i haven't seen them for a while because they were older and I was like, this is it. I'm going to get made fun of. And they're like, hey, Lynch. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, so they had kind of worked out whatever they were going through. Um, but yeah, no, junior high was crazy, too, because it went from like all day with the same teacher and the same kids. And then they're like, here, find these six classes. Go like you have to run through this school. I'm like, wait, what? What are we doing? And you mix <laughs> in with like four or five other new schools and like, oh, but I've already established myself as the guy who will draw anything for anyone else. And now I have to, what if there's a guy that can do that better? And then there was a guy that could do that better and we became friends. So it's fine. But like, yeah. Oh yeah. Junior high middle school was so much harder, but also rewarding. Cause I did meet all these people that I'm still friends with. Like, so it worked out. Nice. You mentioned drawing. And so I know that, you know, on, on your Instagram, you had a nice story. Well, you, it was a story you were sharing about just drawing and how you got away from it just because of an accident and all that. And now this book actually brought you to like one of your passions besides writing drawing. So talk a little bit about 
which comes more easier to you? Is it drawing, writing, or both, or just depends on the topic or the subject? I think writing comes easiest. Writing is other than hang out with my family. Like my wife is the coolest and my kid is the coolest. Other than that, writing is what I love to do the most. I I love it. I love comedy, horror. I love writing sketches. I love writing comic books, books. Um, it's 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 the it comes the easiest to me of anything. Um, art comes a little harder, but is a different set of muscles that I just love to use. Like I I just love kind of, and it's certainly not turning off your brain, but at the end of the day, I love letting that part of my mind take over and just draw. Um, I, I draw a daily comic right now and it was supposed to be a, literally, I was going to do it once. Like I did it once as a joke. It was making fun of Dilbert or is that his name Dilbert? And then I just, I just kept doing it. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to try this. And then I just realized how much I missed drawing and it just turned into this whole other thing. So yeah, writing is so much easier, but art, man, I'm so glad I found it. And so glad I found it again. It, it's been a long time. So yeah. yeah, it's nice. It came back around. And I, I owe, I owe the book completely because it was going to be, I think, 10 pictures. Uh, and then my friend read it. and He's like, the pictures are so good. Just jam it with pictures. Nice. And I'm like, OK. So I did it. And it took a, <laughs> an extra year was added to basically the production of the book. But it was worth it. I love it. I love how it came out. Now, as an artist and the writer, I don't want you to try and sway people. But I think parents, one of the things I love, like especially for this this target you know, age group for kids is, you know, after your kid's reading it, you say, like, hey, what, what was your favorite part of the book? What do you think the book was trying to say, right? Obviously, you're the creator of this book and parents listen to this you know, and they pick it up. What do you hope, like, the, maybe the dialogue between the parents and the kids after both, you know, sets of, you know, parents read it and the kids read it? Like, what do you hope people will take away from it? Well, you know, the the parents in the book are uh, uh, how my parents were and and how my sister was. She's presented as as the sister in this, too, is they were super supportive of anything I wanted to try and super aware of. There's a moment in the story where the teachers are like, hey, you're not talking in class anymore. And they told my parents and they're like, should we worry? And I was like, no, no, I'm OK. But in real life, we did talk about it more in real life. I did talk to like a therapist. And that's not in the book. And I maybe should have been, but I think I was a little older when that happened in real life. Like it just in terms of that, but but I wanted the play to kind of be the solving of the kid's problem. And it, be, it would become a different book if there was like suddenly he's in therapy. So, but I, I think, and I think that the parents that have read the book and my goal was completely to make this book funny if you don't have kids, like, and still make it, is that, these supportive parents are the reason the kid turned out like he did. And at the end of the book, when there are people that are against him, he looks to the people that support him. And I think that's super important to know for parents is like, if your kid says, I want to try this. Yeah. Try it. Like if it, as long as it's not like, I would like to jump off this cliff. Like it's, it's <laughs> support your kid, like help, help foster what really excites them and, and makes them passionate. And, and, for from kids in terms of like what I want kids to walk away with, I hope it it's it's the, the first of all the main message is when there are people that are saying you can't do this, look to the people that say you should do this. You can do this, uh, and it's lit it's literal in the book and that there is a you know when he does the play, there are people in the front row. It's the bully character, uh, and he looks beyond the bully because right behind him is the parents that he that are, do support him. So it's always like look to the people that say yes and support you. And also find what makes you happy. And there, and, and it will be the key to finding other people that are like you because they're there because it also makes them happy. And those people, I mean, I, I, I literally met these people in 
sixth, seventh grade, and I'm I'm fifty now, and I still talk to them. Like, and it, and it's it's a wonderful thing. They're one a wonderful group of people, and we came together because we just liked theater and they like to act and and tell stories. Yeah, those are the best type of relationships. Like, yeah, one of the guys I met, I moved from sixth grade to seventh grade and one of them one of the friends i made in seventh grade he's the godfather to my my oldest <laughs> so it's just the idea oh, that's of like, great. yeah that's like great. you make those connections that are fantastic a couple more questions before we finish off with the father quick five okay. again as you can tell behind me i'm a geek love all the stuff that you've done especially in the comic book world spider-man teenage mutant Ninja turtles buffy the vampire slayer these cab- these characters are kind of established already like how much pressure do you i mean you're a talented writer but like was there one character out of the out of the ones of you that were established? You were just like, oh crap, here we go. Like, what was that? Yeah, you know, it's funny. There's always there's always that character, like I, that that in the midst of all these other characters I love, there's the one that I haven't, I didn't figure out, and you have to, like, you just have to figure it out. And it's funny with with the first Buffy related comic I did was called Spike Asylum, and it was it was the British character, you know, it was this British vampire. And yeah. I was a fan of his, but I didn't really appreciate him until I got that gig and I started watching all of it because I didn't want to get the British dialogue wrong. Do you know what I mean? I didn't want to have him say love or mate too much. Like I wanted to get it as much or blood. that's bloody awful. Like I didn't <laughs> want that. And then it made me appreciate him watching all his episodes. I'm like, oh, he's one of the coolest characters on the show. Like his arc is crazy. Uh, and, and just the fact that he, you know, he lost his soul but he fought to get his soul back because he was in love with someone it, it, i think it's awesome so it's always it's and that's another thing about, about writing is you always have to if you even if you get a gig that you don't want which i've had i've literally had movie projects where i'm like i do need money and then i and then i and then i take the weekend and i watch the related stuff and if i can find something that excites me then i do it and the, the one that comes, I forget what this question, what was the question? I think I'm babbling to the point of where you're- No, no, no I, finish it out. Then we'll go, okay. we'll go back to it because this is great. Well, the one was I had a meeting at Disney years ago and they were like, do you like Winnie the Pooh? And I was like, um, yeah, like, yeah, like I don't, I, sure. And and they were like, do you want to write a Winnie the Pooh movie? And I was like, I didn't know the character. I knew of them, like right. I knew of them. So I, I went home and I watched all the Winnie the Pooh things. I'm like, oh, this is really like subversive too. Like, it's really funny. It's not only sweet, but like they'll turn the book around and then Winnie the Pooh will fall off the screen. Like, it's really smart, like meta stuff at times. And you and also like once I found out that every aspect of Winnie the Pooh, uh, every character is a different aspect of a child's personality. I was like, oh, that's a fantastic. Like Tigger's the id and like Winnie, the, like I love that stuff. And you know, Eeyore obviously. And then I fell in love with the script and I loved writing it. And that became the kind of the spec that when I got one, like, what well, we have a writing sample because it came out so good. I'm like, thank God I took that gig. Like yeah. I didn't, I didn't even know those guys. And I found, I found something to excite me for it. Uh, so that's, that's, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's daunting to get characters. The turtles were really daunting because they were growing up. Uh, I love them so much. I didn't want to do wrong by them. And uh the the one that was hard was Donatello because he's a genius so, like, and I'm not a genius Michelangelo was the easiest one uh so uh, that one was just an extra I took extra time to make sure everything worked out with him so yeah that, I think did I answer the question no you did yeah no you, okay. you answered it well and I think I think too though that's another great lesson you can pass on to your son the idea of like not not everything that you, you do in life is going to be sunshine and rainbows right. and there's going to be gigs that you're going to have to take to pay, or there's going to be whether you're writing for something or whether you have a nine to five you know it's typical nine to five job right. 
there's going to be aspects where you're like, oh, this is great. And then that's like, do I really have to do this? But you took the time. You're like, all right, let me look at, let me look at, you know, the surrounding material or something similar to it. And then let me find something that I can, you know, be attracted to and I can write really well. And like the, the way the poo thing is fantastic because you didn't know, like you didn't have any idea writing, like maybe you were going to give them pants. <laughs> right, 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 right. And just, just the idea of like, you like, let me work on this. And it came out and this is something where you can use as a jumping point where you can be like, Hey, check out this. You looking for work, you know, past work, here you go. And like, this is amazing. So who knows what's going to be coming out, out of a project you might hate. There's going to be right. something that come, good comes from it. And that's a great life lesson, man. So I appreciate that. Thank you, man. Thanks. All right. So Minions, Secret Life of Pets and all that. What is your creative process like? And it just seems just talking to you, maybe I'm just inferring, but the, the idea of like, you don't sit down, like have the pad of paper, start typing or writing. Is it different for each project for you? Like, how does your creative process work? Sure. Well, the I, for like 12 years, I think I worked at Illumination. So it went from, it went from Hop to uh, the Minions theme park ride to Minions to Secret Life of Pets to Minions 2, to Secret Life of Pets 2. Uh, and then the, oh, and then the Secret Life of Pets ride is in there too. Yeah. And then uh, something else we're working on now. So like, I'm not exclusive to them anymore, but like it yeah. went for a long time. With Illumination, it's like being shot out of a cannon. They're like, do you want to do this? And I'm like, yes. And they're like, well, could, here's like two weeks, just come up with like 15 ideas and we'll see what we want to do. <laughs> I've never done that that way. I'm like, okay. And there's been movies, like, I. by the way, I've written all those things with them but they are maybe like five or six other full scripts that I wrote for them that didn't get made. Like, so they had just, it's a lot of, it's a lot of writing. My ideal uh, way of writing is uh, to think about the idea for like a couple of months um, and then write the outline, just have it all spill out. An outline is the least fun thing to write. It's just like a 20 page, like, and then he does this and this and this and this. And then you can read it and you realize what you need to work on for character and story. And then writing the actual um, movie or book, the Toy Academy ones were also outlined. Uh, it's so easy. It's so fun because you just write from the outline. This book, the uh, Sixth Grade Superstar, didn't have an outline. because It's pretty much based. The outline was my life. <laughs> so yeah. like, uh, it didn't have one. But that's what you have to do. You have to brainstorm outline and then rewrite for years and years and years. Okay. Did I hear you right? Like you wrote for like amusement park ride? Yeah. Okay. So we recently were in, not that it was universe, but we were in Disneyland yeah. and we went on like the Spider-Man ride and it was really cool, immersive. Yeah. And sometimes you get, you're trying to shoot at all the spiders or like help, you know, the Tom Holland Spider-Man through other different things. Mm -hmm. That's just amazing to me. Cause I'm like, yeah, there has to be a script. There was a script yeah. where there was like, what's it like writing for a ride, man? That's amazing. It's so funny. You should, yeah, it, it was, I, the only thing I'd done in illumination was hop. And I think I, and I think I gave them a couple jokes for like a Despicable Me movie at that point. But Chris Melodondri, the head of Illumination, came up to me. He's like, I know you like theme park rides and I don't know anything about them. Would you consider writing the Minion Mayhem one? Because it's a full story. Like there's a screen and while you're waiting online, there's a story while you're watching. And I was like, oh, I'd love to because I just wanted to learn how to write a ride. It sounded so weird. I figured it would be maybe 15 pages and it would be a couple months. It was two years and it was 65 pages. Um, so, and it was it was amazing. Like we did a first draft and then uh, Universal theme parks would read it and go like, well, here's what we can't do. Here's what we usually do with a ride. And like, they tell you secrets. Like if you go to Universal rides, uh, every ride usually starts with a one that kind of, a moment that kind of jolts you. That kind of goes like, oh, I didn't know that it was gonna dip or like run. Yeah. Like, 
I'm like, oh yeah, that's true. All of them are that. And then, and there's always, he's like, we always like to do one part of every ride that is like for a split second you go, oh, is that supposed to happen? Like, I is this wrong? Like, is this going to break? Like, are I in trouble? Which they like to thrill people. Uh, I guess that's why they're thrill rides. But so it was so fun to learn about the process of that. And through that, they, you know, they read the ride and it was, they read the ride script and that's where they're like, hey, you can write Minion stuff. Well, do you have any ideas for a Minion movie? And if I hadn't written that ride, I wouldn't have written the movie that so far is the biggest, the biggest, you know, movie of my my career. Nice. For sure. That's all. I again, thank you very much for sharing that. Because sometimes you you probably get this, but the idea of not thinking that someone wrote a script for a ride yep. makes it even but better because you're not thinking about it because you're just enjoying it. Right? Is that is that yep. a, is like a good compliment? Or no, I know. I love it. I love. I, it's great. It's the same with video games, by the way. Like video game scripts are like this big. I can't like there that yeah. big. I've never written one, but I my friends have, and it's like six hundred pages, and it's. It seems daunting. Oh, the theme park stuff is great, especially with like the the Secret Life of Pets ride where we had to come up with, you know, it just travels through with animatronics and we had to write like five different jokes so it's not repeating if you go on it a couple of times. And that's the best. Like that's just, once we have the, the spine of the ride planned out to come up with like five funny versions of every line. I love it. I love it. it I've told my wife this too. I said, if I, if making rides was, a, if writing rides was a thing, I would, that, I would love to do that. It's so much fun. And the thing you work on is literally, it's like having a movie in a theater for 15 years. You can go today and see it. Like, it's yeah. so fun. No doubt. For the Father Quick Five, I just want to say, okay. like, you mentioned, um, like, video games and people wrote on that. I think, you know, each generation is different. And in, in also in each generation, what you played on or what people watched around you. Like, I remember in college, PlayStation was like it. Metal Gear Solid was like the game where I'm like, this is a movie. And like, I didn't. This that was the first game where I didn't go through the like I didn't skip through the like the scenes the cut yes. scenes I'm like yep. I'm watching this and I was more intrigued at what was going on and if like my friends and I were playing because we were college roommates we'd be like all right what chapter do you want I'm like all right sweet I gotta go because I don't want to ruin it for me but then if I solved the game I would watch I'm like oh. I'm like in my mind I, I wasn't ruining it. I'm like this is gonna be a great part <laughs> so yeah, I know the, 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 the I thought also with Grand Theft Auto had a couple where it was like it was real cinematic it was yeah. really well done. You know, I wrote a I wrote a movie based on a video game that didn't get made, but it, it's not a movie that had cutscenes. It was The Sims. Okay. It was literally I just had an idea for a Sims movie, and I happened to pitch it to a guy who knew somebody at EA, and then it got announced, and we were going to make it. And the internet hated me. They're like, "How could you turn that? That's not a movie." I'm like, "Well, listen to the idea. It's good, but I could. You can't go on the internet and go like, <laughs> listen to my idea, internet. It's not bad." I'll, I'm like, "I'll show them when the movie comes out, and then the movie doesn't come out. So, but it's fine." But it was you it, think it was idea. because of the the negative the negativity that's why I got oh it. absolutely not it was just uh, you know it was not this writer's strike but the strike before it it kind of fell the oh, rewrites man. no the idea is is the idea was really a one a one line idea that I really am proud of it was the kid realizes whatever he does in a Sims game happens in the real world the next day so it becomes Bruce Almighty and weird science kind of yeah. and it was so, but but everybody was just like it was literally like. On the internet, what's about a guy who no finds out he's a sim and like, or he gets sucked into the Sims world? I'm like, no, guys, it's a real good idea. Trust me, it's good. Yeah. But it didn't get made. Okay. Hey, you angry internets, just calm down. <laughs> Very angry. Although I'll say this, I became friends with a couple people there because I did email people that were like, it's good, I swear, and I'm still talking to them. So see, I reached out and it was okay. Awesome. Thank you very much for sharing that. Now we're gonna finish off with the father quick five. Favorite family movie? Do you guys have one? 
the Muppet movie is my favorite. It's my favorite movie period. And also if the family has to be there, that's fine. They can be there. But I think it's legitimately one of the best, one of the funniest movies of all time, family or not. So that's, okay. that's kind of the, the, the crown jewel for me. Nice genre of music, or is there a band you couldn't wait to introduce them to? You know, uh, we got, we got the Foo Fighters nursery rhyme CD the minute Henry came out and we played that. So now it kind of, group he, he he now he appreciates them and we see him we see dave grohl in the valley a lot so that's yeah. exciting but you know what the one was and it's it was it was really fun uh to see him experience this because i love green day but the minute henry heard them at like two henry loved like would move to green day so yeah. we just fed that like he's like so that was i'm so happy that he likes green day like it's just that's that's a henry thing more than an us thing i love them but he really loves them that's so cool. Love that. Yeah. Perfect family vacation. Where would it be? This is hard. I, because my wife works so much and I work so much and I it, literally any week where we can spend where it's just us together is like, a, it's the best. It's yeah. the, it's my favorite thing. Recently we went to Yosemite, which had no internet and had no, like, like the TV had three channels and <laughs> it was like, we it, and, and it was the most fun to just walk around with them. So it, it I would say it's probably that kind of thing. And I'm not an outdoors guy, but that was such a fun trip. I'd, I'd say that. And then, of course, Hawaii, just because it's relaxing and we don't do that enough. Like, we don't relax. And it kind of encourages you to shut down your brain. So Hawaii, Yosemite, those would be my two favorite. Henry would say a theme park, by the way. Okay, sweet. And you'd be like, hey, I wrote this ride. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, my, my I, I'm straying, but my wife works on Star Wars and on the Rise of the Resistance ride they keep going get to lieutenant beck he'll help you and that's her last name it's named after it's named after my wife carrie beck so that's awesome they have like they have like poe going like lieutenant beck will help you and then an admiral akbar character turns around animatronics like i'm lieutenant beck and i'm like all right carrie wins she wins <laughs> like that's that's amazing for sure one of the best rides hands down oh, obviously yeah. i'm probably like you know saying that in yeah. the star wars clouded lens but Always oh, amazing. Nice. It's love my that. I think it's the best ride. It's my favorite ride. It's so immersive and wonderful. I love it for sure. Favorite superhero and favorite supervillain. Do you have them? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, I can't I, I had it like right here. See this big blank wall right here? It fell. It's right down there. But my favorite superhero is Ted Cord, Blue Beetle. Okay, I, nice. The DC character and his best friend is Booster Gold. Yeah. And I love them. And it's because of the Giffen de Matthias. Uh, did I say his name wrong? I remember. Uh, Kevin Maguire, Justice League, where it's just really funny. And the book was more about relationships and about fighting supervillains. And I just love Ted Cord. I, I love him. Uh, do you know that guy? It's like, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. My favorite. That's awesome. I, and I love, Sp I mean, Spider-Man is always going to be up there. Yeah. Nice. And favorite villain. Do you know the villain from Marvel named uh, Mojo? Yes. X-Men, yeah, yes. He, yeah, he's my favorite. He's so fun and weird. I love him so much. I remember yeah. seeing the cover because I was, I'm, Wolverine's my favorite. Oh, he's great. I, I, there was a uh, picture of like Mojo, I think holding Wolverine up and like Wolverine, I'm like, how is this guy going to stop Wolverine? Like what's going yep. on? <laughs> and he does though. He, he turns them into babies. Yeah. Um, I remember at the Sims pitch, I had to pitch the head of Fox. And at the end of it, he loved it. And he's like, oh, we're making this movie. And I'm like, fantastic. He goes, is there anything else you want to do? I go, can I make a, a long shot and Mojo movie? And uh, and he's like, no, good talking to you. I'm like, okay, great. So, but I did, I tried, I tried to get it going. And I've had Marvel meetings now that they own it again. And I'm like, what about long shot? And they're like, all right, Brian, chill. Like, chill. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I think you would like, that would be cool. Cause I think you would, 
you know, passion you have for that would do it justice. So that that oh, would thanks. be amazing, man. Mojo, yeah. Love to see that. Hopefully that comes to fruition, man. Thanks, uh, lastly, top three words you hope your son would use to describe you as a dad. What would you want them to be? Handsome? No. Um, <laughs> uh, supportive? Uh, present? Does that make sense? Like, I, I, like I, as much as like we could be in the same room as our kid, we're not always present. And I'm guilty of it when I'm drawing. I try to like, we do the creative time together. So we're both drawing at the same nice. time. So present, supportive, I mean, kind, uh, kind is the way to go. I'm trying to think of what really, yeah. when I think of my parents, because that's what I want to do, because they're great. Uh, no, yeah, that's perfect. Kind, yeah, great three words right there. Yeah. Thank you. And, and, Thank it, you. There's no, like, the cool thing about this, there's no wrong answer. So it's always good. Well, there, there might be, if I said yeah. really weird words. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> People, make sure you follow uh, Brian on Twitter, at Brian Lynch, and on Instagram, at Brian Michael Lynch. In addition, pick up Sixth Grade Superstar on Amazon. This has been such an awesome blast chatting with you, man. I really appreciate your work. I really appreciate your take on fatherhood and the idea of just being supportive. We need more dads like that. So I wish you and your family continued success. And look, is maybe I don't want to, the, the book just came out, but is there going to be another one? We're going to see more of these. People are starting to ask that question now, and that's always a good sign. So yeah, it takes a right. long time is the only thing for me to write this thing because it's in my spare time. So I hope so. I hope so. There's more to tell for sure. So pick up this book, Sixth Grade Superstar on Amazon and uh, support this guy. But again, thank you very much for the time, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. I want to say thank you to Begin Health for sponsoring this week's edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Really appreciate the work that they're doing with their Growing Up Prebiotics. It's a daily prebiotic for toddlers and kids ages one and up. If you want to look to support your kiddos, immune system, and digestive health, make sure you go to beginhealth.com. And while you're on the internet, make sure you go to artoffatherhood.net. Check out the podcast. Check out the weekly columns like Dad's Doing It Right, Collector of the Week. There's articles on pop culture. My family and I sometimes write stories and articles together. All great stories centering around family and fatherhood. And also, please rate, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcast. It helps get the word out. I really appreciate your support. Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to artoffatherhood.net.